Ian, how are you? Good, Craig. How are you? I'm really well. Welcome to episode 31 of Hubshots. Thank you. And what's this episode about? You know, we're going to cover a few things in this episode. Ghost writing, HubSpot campaigns and strategy. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, Craig. Before we get into it, though, let's talk about inbound. And well, how many days to go now, Ian? So if you want to find out how many days, go to inboundcountdown.com and it is 195 days. 26 minutes and 15 seconds. Time flies by. Wow. Speaking of inbound, what's our thought of the week around inbound 16? You know what? Doing inbound by yourself can be rather boring. So we've decided we're going to have a Hubshots inbound hangout where we can get to meet people that listen to the podcast and we can get to hang out with some really cool people and do inbound together. So... This year, I think they're expecting 15,000 people. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big, right? And I'd love to know. I'd love to just hang out because, you know, I've got a great story. You introduced me or we met somebody, Jenny Donathorn. Oh, yes. At Jenny. Inbound, right? That's right. Yes. Hi, Jenny. Yes. Shout out, Jenny. And you know what? And we came back. We were all doing what we were doing. And then she, she actually asked for, you connected with her on LinkedIn. And then she asked for some help with Business Catalyst, right? And then you actually told her you knew someone, which was me. And now I'm actually helping her out and we're doing some work together. So, you know, that is a connection that we made all the way in Boston, even though we all live in Sydney. But you know what? It's had a massive impact for all of us. And it's so nice. Like even when we go to hugs, just to see some friendly faces. And that's what I love about it. Right. Now, if you're not familiar with the term hugs, what are we talking about there? HubSpot user groups. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Every quarter or so, I think, in Sydney. They've been, yes, yeah. and they run all around the country. So have a look out and you can go onto HubSpot. If you just search for them, you'll actually find out where your hug is in a place near you. Yeah, that's really cool. So we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to inbound. And can I give you my next prediction? Yes, off to their prediction. Okay, I've been giving predictions on a few functionality pieces and also speakers. So here's my prediction for speaker. Dan Ariely. So he's, well, basically when these, when I say prediction, I just, who I want to see, right? <laughs> I'm hoping to see. So it's not last week I, saw, I, I was predicting Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. Yes. Week. So that's like, you know, top tier kind of stuff. Who would, who would be more than that? Barack Obama maybe or someone? You know what? Maybe we should uh, send Dan how to become a speaker at Inbound. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. You know what? When I was thinking, because I, I really want to see him uh, live. He's, I've read a few of his books. He's excellent. He's so good. I'll tell you actually about one of his yeah, can you tell me? Effect in a sec. But yeah. I just want to say, I actually went looking saying, I'm sure he's spoken before. He must have spoken. He's exactly the kind of person that would have spoken at Inbound before. So if he already has in a previous year, I didn't spot it. So my, my Maybe it's time for him to come back. So my, Craig, tell yeah. me, what is one thing that stands out about Dan? Right. So he writes around how mentally we process things and he calls it predictably irrational. That's one of his famous books. And he introduced me to this idea of the decoy effect. I don't know if you've heard of this or decoy pricing. No. So he he didn't come up with the term, but he's done testing around it. The famous one is a newspaper did subscriptions and they were yes. selling print subscription, say for $10.00. And then there was, I think, an uh, online subscription for $20. And then there was a print and online subscription for $20, right? And so everyone was like, well, 
That's the same price as just on, I'll get that. And that's an example of decoy pricing, because if you only had print or online, you might go for the cheaper one, right? But with the decoy pricing there- They having, take both. They will, it'll push them to the higher one because they think they're getting a, a bargain. Oh, someone, <coughs> yeah, so that's decoy pricing. Anyway, that's how I was introduced to the topic. It's a really fascinating topic. Yeah, it's a whole book full of these kinds wow. of things about how we trick our minds into doing things. We think we're rational, but we're actually predictably irrational. Yeah. Anyway, Wow. I'd love to see him at Inbound. That's really good. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> now, we're going to move on to a HubSpot feature tip of the week. This and this is, is to do with campaigns. Yeah, talk us through this. Now, I only discovered it today. So, one thing, I was, I've been training people on our team to build their own campaigns and to follow the in the academy, the project. So, you're going to build out a campaign, follow these steps. And as they were doing it, I saw in the tool, it actually came up with a blue bar once you were creating your campaign and basically said, well, the next thing to do is to create your landing page, right? And you discovered as you went through is when you click, you want to create your landing page, it automatically creates a thank you page for you. Yeah, it's really clever. And that's a time saver, right? So that's fantastic. So basically, clearly, you can clearly see you're building out a campaign. There's a big blue bar with the campaign name. And it says what a button with the next step. And you can, if there's also arrows, so you can actually click down into any of the areas you want to go to, to jump to. But basically a step-by-step in the tool to build a campaign. So you're, you're kind of guided through the whole thing. And I think that's fantastic. So it's not announced anywhere, but maybe when you're listening to this, it might be announced. But I think it's a great feature. So use it and give them some feedback. Well, let me ask you this, Ian, because why do you think they've actually put this in? Because the campaign tool has been getting more focus and now it's part of the productivity menu. Yes. Which actually not everyone might have that. I think you need no. to opt into it. So you might Correct. not have a productivity menu, but um, if you do, it's the campaigns is now under there. Why do you think they're putting so much focus on the campaign tool because you were saying to me earlier that it's it's actually you find it interesting that you think most people don't use it or they don't even set up campaigns if rarely if ever yeah you know what i don't think that they do and one of the interesting things is putting all of our staff through the training and doing the hubspot certification is you actually have to build your own campaign and i think a lot of people struggle with it so and I, why I guess if I look at the two of us, we've come from a software background and we kind of go, oh, that's IT and we kind of work our way through it, not realizing that if you've never actually done that kind of stuff, it's actually a massive, how do I describe it? A massive barrier to getting stuff done. So you might actually even understand inbound and, and you might have even done your HubSpot certification or the, the exam. But when it comes to implementation, you're like, what on earth am I doing here? So I think all of this drives action because at the end of the day, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Because if you can implement something, you know the methodology behind it, that's where you show the result. Knowledge in our head ain't going to get anything on the paper where we can go to our bosses or our clients and say, hey, you know what? We generated X number of leads. This landing page converted at 25%. We are now ranking for these keywords. We have opportunity for these keywords. They're all stuff that you learn from using the tool. And I think this is all driving towards getting a faster, better implementation when we're building campaigns. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this is one of those underutilized tools. I agree with you. I suspect many people don't use it at all. Possibly it's they're not familiar with the concept. But also I think it's kind of like for many people, they're in a tactical mindset. So they just go, oh, I'm going to look after social. 
and they don't think about it in the scheme of things as part of a campaign. And the great thing about HubSpot is, say, you're doing social pieces, it'll tie those social messages back to the campaign. So it's tracked part of it So as part of the campaign. So you can actually get that overall reporting of the yeah. effectiveness. And this is a key thing that a lot of marketers, junior marketers especially, they don't think about ROI. So the marketing director is, marketing manager maybe as well, but the junior who's just implementing tactical pieces, often that ROI isn't kind of top of mind for them. Yeah, and you know what? It all comes back to purpose and context, right? So what's the purpose of this campaign and what's the context from within which we're doing it? So if we drive everything through that or with that vision or that lens, then I think we'll be able to show massive results for our campaigns as opposed to doing random things outside of campaigns because then we kind of, it's really about focus, right? Because you kind of go, well, if I'm focused on getting this result on this campaign, then I'm not going to do social messaging for something I just found out on Wikipedia over right. here, right? And I think that's what it drives. It drives focus and it drives results. Really good. All so, right. What's the action item then? Start your campaign and stay focused. Love it. All right, let's move on, changing gears, back to inbound. Actually, challenge of the week. Tell us what's your challenge of the week, Ian. Now, I think this can be a challenge because if you are a marketing manager and you didn't budget or your boss hasn't budgeted for you to be away for a week or two while you go to inbound, that could be a real struggle. And I think on the inbound blog, there's a great blog post, how to convince your boss to get to inbound. There's even a template, a word template that you can download and fill out and give it to them. But you know what? It really ties people back. Like if I talk about campaigns, think about this as a little campaign that you're going to share with your management or your boss. And it basically says, what are the goals? What are we going to achieve here? When are we going to do it? So there's a defined time frame. How much is it going to cost us? Which is kind of all the questions we ask when we do a campaign in the system. But this is about you attending inbound. So I think it can be a real challenge, but you can use this as a real way to catapult yourself and hang around with people that are like-minded that you can learn from. Perfect example, we met Jenny and we have met lots of other people that we still talk to today. And I've only been to one inbound. So you know what? I'm so looking forward to it. And I really, I want to see where this is going to go because it's going to be amazing, I think. And I think you can attest that, right? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And yeah, look, it is a good word document. It goes on a bit. I, I, I can imagine all the bosses getting these this um, so uh, template. So C- Craig's advice is move the budget to the top of the template <laughs> and move the rest of the things down. I reckon every boss that gets it's going to go, yes, yes, good reason, yes. How much? Yes, that's another good reason. How much? Yes, another good. Yes, look, it's how much is it? So, <laughs> no, that's too much. It's actually not too much. So... I think there's some really good points it brings out there. So, yeah, download that, have a look at it, and, uh, yeah, hit your boss up. Yeah, you know what? Another thing that really – they haven't told you how to think in this. They've said, look, you need to have your own goals or what you want to achieve out of it. Be clear about that so you know why you're going – have the why before you get get on that plane and get to inbound. Great point. Okay. Shot four, our opinion of the week. 
This is an interesting find from the Contently blog, and it's around ghostwriting. And Laura Ingram writes around whether, uh, well, first of all, she breaks down how so much of uh, the content we we read is is ghostwritten. But in particular, she looks in this one around thought leadership. And so when you've got CEOs and upper management writing blog posts, and they've all been ghostwritten for them, she's just kind of looking at, uh, she actually calls it the morals of it. Is it morally okay? Okay. Now you read this. What what were your thoughts, Ian, about her points? Do you think? Um, and sorry, I should explain what her what her suggestion was. Yeah. She was actually saying, should ghostwriters start to get a bit of a byline or a part of the bio or, or a mention? Maybe yeah. maybe it's not authored by, but Correct. kind of mentioned or acknowledged in the in the pieces. And you you use a really good example when it comes to like presidential. Um, speeches and so on and things that our president or prime ministers do which was um they have a team of people that write stuff for them yeah well i i i kind of assumed everyone knew that so yes. when you you hear a speech from a prime minister or a president you kind of okay well that, he's got a team of speech writers she's got a team of speech writers and they've done but yeah, maybe that's not the case. Many, maybe and people do think, "Oh no, President Obama wrote that speech." Yeah, you himself. know what? I, don't I know. did. I did not realize that happened until I really got into content, and I was realized. And I realized, like, I have someone on my team that has twenty years of journalism experience. I did not realize what went on behind the scenes. Right. So I think now that we have that understanding and content is becoming key, maybe we should be honest and open and say, look, no, I didn't write it. I came up with the concept of it and I fleshed it out, but this person actually wrote it. Yeah. And it brings up a really good point because I kind of, when I was first talking to him, I'm like, nah, that would just totally discredit the, the leader. But then I thought, well, yes and no, because it's still my idea and I and you helped me implement it. It's like... If I built the car, if I if I thought of that the Tesla, for example, I can't build the Tesla myself. I need a group of engineers. I need the designers. I need all of these guys to make it happen. But yeah, I came up with the idea for the Tesla, right? And I think if you kind of think of it like that, it's probably, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should be giving credit to the authors. Well, I think so. And I'll just explain what I was saying about speechwriters for um, politicians. The reason I mentioned that as an example is because let's say people do realise that they have speechwriters and, okay, maybe some people don't, but let's say they do. A lot of speechwriters have become famous in their own right. There was yes. like, oh, you know, Bob Ellis, he was speechwriter for so-and-so. Or there was, oh, he's, he's, he's well-known for being the speechwriter for this. So it's kind of like they they were always acknowledged and the really good speechwriters kind of became famous in their own right. And so bringing that back to thought leadership pieces that CEOs might write and they're ghostwritten for them, giving some kind of acknowledgement to who the, the ghostwriter is, I think kind of is... I, that and that's that's uh, Laura's point in the, in the post. I think there is a lot of merit to that because it's... It is being a bit more transparent. It is also about, as everyone generally does get to know, that these are ghost-written. Yes. Then when you find out that that CEO that you really looked up to and thought they were a thought leader, when you find out they're all ghost-written for them, you're like, oh, 
Incredibility. It yeah. kind of, it goes against them, right? It goes against them, yeah. Whereas if they look back and said, well, no, no, clearly acknowledged, this was the ghostwriter and this was the person that was working on them. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when people write, you know, those autobiographies, but yes. they're actually biographies or yeah. memoirs written with. Yes. And there's always a byline for the, the co-author. I think there's, I think there is a room for that. And I think that's what we will start to see. So I think it's a really um, interesting post that she's written there. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting what listeners um so uh, think about that. Leave us a comment because I'd love to know, A, whether you realise that a lot of the content that you're reading is ghost-ridden, whether yeah. you realise that or not, or whether that's news to you and whether that's shocking to you, actually, if it is news to you. And then, two, what do you think about having, yeah, bylines or yeah. ghostwriters acknowledge? Interesting point, especially when uh, we're talking about content so much these days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you need to have a very clear stance on what you're going to do so that you know what the outcome is. And you can answer the question in the appropriate manner. All right, let's move on. Shot five, general tip of the week. Do we really understand inbound? What did you have in mind here? That's a good question. I only asked that question or that tip is because a lot of the team have been actually doing their certification. And when you look at the questions or the the exam, like it's actually not that easy. So it really pushes you to understand whether you know it or not. And quite a few of my team have failed multiple times. And so it really brought me to think, hang on, just because like we do it and we work and we kind of spur each other on and we we get it, not everybody gets it. And it does take time and it does take because it's a whole shift in your thinking. So I think the, for us is that stay ahead. And if you're the market manager and you haven't done any training, Go and do the inbound training to start off with. Yeah, the certification training is excellent, isn't it? Yeah, so do it. And I'll give a shout out to Chris, who actually edits our podcast. He's going to do his inbound training. Yes, good so, one, Chris. Good luck. So good luck with that. But you know what? It really it made me realize because I had we spoke to somebody a week or two ago and he said, I'm never going to hire somebody in-house because they're just going to come with what they know and they're not going to be driven to actually learn anything more. Right. Whereas I look at um, ourselves as agencies and we've got to sit those exams every 12 months, Craig. And you know what? You can look at that and go, oh, my goodness, like, like that's, that's a massive mountain to, to climb every 12 months. But if you don't, you're going to get left behind and you're going to keep sliding further on backwards. Look, I think they're really good to do because, I, uh, as you know, I've been doing the exams just recently over the last month or so, all the exams, and I've found it really useful. As you said, you know, we've both been doing this for a while now, so you'd kind of think we would know it. I still learn new stuff. And back to your original kind of question where, which you asked, which was a good thought question, do we really understand inbound? Well, it's, it's changing for one. So you might know it last week, but do you know it this week? There's yeah. new, always new things to be considering. And two, I think uh, when you say, do you understand inbound? A lot of people go, oh, yeah, I know the term. I've heard the term. But do you really understand it? Yeah. Oh, well, I kind of might have looked at blog posts. But no, when you go through the certification, you realize how comprehensive it is and how useful as a framework. So, yeah, yeah so I would question. definitely say do the inbound certification and then do the inbound sales certification. Yes. Because that is the new frontier of the war where we're basically fighting. And I think that that's really the key because once you've got the whole inbound part sorted out, sales is the next frontier. And I think we need to be ahead of the curve and we can be the educators and the leaders in that. So if you're the marketing manager, get ahead, do it and help sales 
do it as well so you can all talk the same language and be on the same page. I think that'll be make a massive difference to your business. Excellent advice, Ian. All right, let's move on to shot six, state of inbound item of the week. I'm really interested in your thoughts on this because this follows on from what we were discussing last week, which was a blog post around um, research that HubSpot had been conducting around buyer behaviours. And so today we're going to look at the point around when buyers want to meet with sales. And this was a really interesting graph that you've pulled out and highlighted. And we've got a screenshot we'll include in the show notes. Yeah, talk us through it. When, when do buyers want to connect with sales? Now, Craig, let me ask you, when do you think buyers want to connect with sales? Well, even though I read this blog post last week for last episode, I was thinking about it and I was like, ah, oh, well, decision stage. Of course, yes. that's when most of them would be, surely. Yeah. And you know what really surprised me? Over 60% want to actually meet with sales in the consideration stage. Yeah. And a, and a further 20% in the awareness stage. So that's 80% of the buyers in that kind of first part of the buying journey, right? Yes. And you kind of go, wow, that's really interesting. And you kind of think, we talked about doing product demos not at the end when they're, or like when they're at the qualification stage, but really at the start when they're evaluating what their options it's are. It's part of their initial research, isn't it? Correct. So I think when you think about consideration, like that's where they're going through and actually researching and understanding what products or services fit with their problem that they're having. Right. So let me ask you this then. So why do you think during that consideration stage, that's when they want to connect with sales? Why then? Because we've been told before that buyers want to do all the research on their own. Um, Why do you think it is that they want to meet with buyers in the consideration stage? You know, with all the information that they have, I think they're actually empowered to make the choice and they don't want to meet with salespeople at the end because they go, well, I've got the information. Let me just go away and make a choice. Like I don't need to be told or led or given a discount to, to buy this because I want to actually have the choice. So I need to go talk with my management team because we have everything we need and we're going to collaboratively make a choice about what we're going to do. Right. So I think that's a really big thing. And I always say, and one of the really, really thing things I, that got highlighted here was when they're in that consideration stage, right? It says when they talk to someone in sales, the sales representative can elaborate on their product and share advice they are best equipped to provide, right? And this advice should be new to the buyer and educate them further about the product or service. Now, I'll take a step back and explain to you what that means. My wife used to work at uh, Inchcape, so Subaru. They import Subaru into Australia. Okay, right. She got given a car every six to eight months. And even if you didn't have a car, you could hire a car. You know what I loved about it? Like I never liked Subarus before, but I drove about three different Subarus. And that whole time I got to experience the product, even though I never worked for them. You know, I was probably their biggest salesperson right. or advocate. Yeah, yeah. Like everywhere I'd go, people I'd talk to, them, but, oh, you're driving the latest uh, Impreza or you're driving the Liberty or you're driving the Forester. And... And I'd be able to talk to them from a personal level of, yeah, I like this about the Forester. I didn't realize the Forester was so big compared to the Liberty. And you know what? It was really interesting because like when they brought the new model Liberty out, I actually liked the previous model because they'd made the new model more specific for America. So it was bigger. It didn't handle quite the same way. And you know what? I actually went to people like, I actually liked the last model, not the new one. Right. Which is really interesting because people were like, oh, it's bigger. You must really love it. But no, not really, because I like a driver's car, right? But I had intimate knowledge. I never worked for Subaru. 
but I intimately knew about the product. So when I was talking to people, they were like, oh yeah, you actually know what you're talking about. You've experienced it, you know? And that's what people need. It's like, I don't think we can sell stuff or be advocates for, for things that we don't know stuff about. I'll give you another example. I went and drove a Tesla when they first came out. Right. I spoke to the guy who, who I went to Tes drive it with. And it was really interesting. So I said, I started a conversation. I'm like, oh, you know, and he was Tesla employee number one in Australia. But you know what he was? He was an accountant. Didn't look like an accountant, but I was like talking to him and he goes, you know what? He goes, I went to America. I saw the car. I, I test drove it. I loved it. And then I contacted Tesla and I got the job. And he goes, Tesla will never hire a car salesman. They hire enthusiasts. He goes, you know what? And I don't care if you don't buy the car, you never buy the car. He goes, you'll drive it today. You'll spend time with me and you'll go and tell all your friends about it or anybody that you come into contact with. And I think that is the new way of sales. It's like you have to be enthusiastic about your product or service. If you're not and you don't know what the ins and outs are, You'll be never be able to convey that to the buyer. Yeah, look, I think that's, those are ex- excellent examples. And I'll just pick up on that comment that you read out about it, about a well-prepared sales representative. And the key there was once they find out what the buyer knows, then they elaborate on it. And I think a key part of the consideration stage, as you said, it's when they want to find more information out of the product, but they don't want the pitch. No. They don't, they're not connecting with the sales they want help. person to get the pitch and you didn't even listen to me you just launched into your spiel and then you whacked me in a demo that was completely untailored to what i want and then you just blasted me with emails that were from a template and weren't even personal they don't want that that's not the sales interaction they want they actually want helpful advice and that's what i think the inbound sales certification was really really useful at at highlighting it's it's not about uh, closing it's about providing value these days and so that's why when buyers want to meet during the consideration stage. That's what it's all about. It's about getting value. Yes. Yeah, so action out of this is think about where you're engaging buyers in your business. Maybe you need to talk to them at an earlier stage than where you're talking to them now. And what measures do you need to put in place to actually have that, make that conversation happen so you give them the ability to talk to you and get more information about your product or service? Nice. All right. Now we're coming up to time. So I'm going to jump to our shot nine community item of the week. And uh, this was an absolute cracker. It's the HubSpot email signature generator. Now you found out about this from Mads, didn't you? Yes. So I got an email from Mads. And uh, if you want to know who Mads is, just go back here. We interviewed Mads on one of our... I think it might have been 24 or 25. Yeah. Correct. One of the interviews we did at uh, SidSpot. And so I saw this and his signature changed. I'm like, what is this? So I clicked on get a free signature and I get taken to a new tool that I think um, our friends at HubSpot have built, basically create your own signature. So I went along and tried it out. I tried to create my signature. I thought, oh, this is not looking bad. I get to the end and it says, do you want to remove the link to create your free signature? Just do this. So when you click on that, you get the next window, which says, um, tell us your role or your position in your company. And then it takes it away, right? After talking to you, I realized they've just collected all your information and now they can market to you. It's just so brilliant. And when, when you showed me this, I was like, 
Oh my goodness. This is such an obvious tool. I don't know if someone's done it before, but I haven't seen it before. This general email signature. It's just basically, imagine someone's designing, dreaming up this tool. We need a tool where we get the person to input every single bit of data about themselves, totally hand like- it over to us, including their position in, in the company, and uh, be thankful for handing it over to us. It's but like, again, it's providing value, right? It is providing it's value. providing value. And they're giving you an opportunity to put all your details in. And I thought to myself, like, wow, like, because I've, I've used these email creation tools before right. um, to create email signatures that look really nice and consistent in your business. But no one ever markets back to you once you do that. So they're all great. I well, can say, this is gold. It is gold. And Thank you, you, Ryan. But, but you were telling me like an hour after you filled it out, ding, then you got the email from Ryan. Ryan. HubSpot. Thanks for that. Yeah, so... Nice one. But yeah, look, a useful tool, but just beware what you're doing when you sign up for it (laughs) and over your life's details. Maybe it's worth it for you. Next, we talked about Beacon. Oh yeah, last week, Beacon. That was an excellent tool. So Beacon, we we showed the special that we got on AppSumo and this week officially it is is now a HubSpot... Integration. Integration. Yes, well done, Kevin. So that just means that you can go from the integration menu and connect straight connect. into Beacon. You don't have to, from Beacon, do all your, fill out your portal now, ID and that. But yeah. if you're wondering what Beacon is, one of the biggest sticking points when we're doing campaigns is creating ebooks, And Beacon actually enables you to do that quickly and efficiently and just gets you get started. But another great feature is that you can actually go and collect your blog posts off your blog and actually create an ebook out of that that exactly. you can use as a call to action and that's on a landing the, page. And that's the HubSpot integration. It just basically you can select, oh, I'll have this blog post, this blog yes. post, things like bing, create PDF ebook that looks great. They've got templates and everything. I mean, yeah, excellent tool. So well done. And look, we'll just close with this final resource of the week. And that's just to say, you know, we talk about these interviews that we had with HubSpot people like Mads and Ryan and uh, uh, Rosalia and, yes. and all of them. Well, what we've done, they were their episodes uh, 21 to 27. We've got all the transcripts from those and we've put it into a monster ebook. I think it's over Created 60. with Beacon. Created with Beacon. And it's over 60 pages. And so if you want to read through those interviews, uh, and there was gold in there, I tell you. So just go. We'll, we've got a link here. You can just go sign up and download it and enjoy. We hope you find a lot of value from that so look Ian that's our episode 31 uh, thanks a lot some excellent tips there around sales and campaigns and ghost writing thought for you so I'll see you next week Ian thank you Craig hey there thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots for show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips please visit us at hubshots.com